Okay, so my name is Sarah, as uh, Matt uh, so lovingly said. Uh, he, we, we, he and I, we did serve here for a very long time. I think he's the only one out of the original crew, besides Eunice, right? That's still part of Emmaus. Um, there was seven of us. We cried a lot. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, especially here at Yonsei. That's why I love this campus. I say it every time. And I love this campus every time I walk in here. Because it's just beautiful here. I mean, you guys are catching it at a good time. A couple years ago, it wasn't like this. It was not like this at all. So you guys are catching it at a very good time. Um, yeah, so my name is Sarah, and I just want to go straight into reading the word today. Let's go to Psalms 112. You love it? That's good, right? Psalms 112. Um, and we're going to read the whole thing. Psalms 112. I am pregnant, and uh, it's a boy, so it, uh, he kicks a lot. Uh, and when boys kick, it's not the same, I don't think, as when girls kick. He kicks like this, like it's like repeated. So if um if I like like in the middle somewhere, don't worry, like it's normal. <laughs> he's I think he's a very strong boy. Um, so excuse that, and um, yeah, let's just are you guys ready? Psalm one twelve. I'll just read the whole thing. Not very long. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He is distrib- he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He is righteous. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. Last verse. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. Desire of the wicked will perish. Amen. Psalms 112. Uh, today I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And if you grew up in the church like I did... uh I don't remember my life without church. A lot of the pastors glaze over the fear of the Lord thing, mostly because they only bring it out when you're in trouble, right? Or when you're in youth group, you're not supposed to do that thing at prom, or you're not supposed to smoke that thing at prom, right? So they they tell you about the fear of the Lord, like God is watching you, God is almighty, have the fear of the Lord in you, and it'll be okay with you, right? He talk, they talk about fear of the Lord only when you're about to get in trouble, when you might be in a situation when you might be getting in trouble, or when you actually have already done it, and um, there's no turning back, and so they tell you there's a fear of the Lord, you must have it, right? Um. But actually, the fear of the Lord, um, it doesn't have to be so conditional to when you do something wrong. It's actually a decision you make every single day in your normal, everyday life. Okay, Because um, the fear of the Lord is often seen as a punishment or a burden. But it's actually one of the most beautiful things that God has given to us. Out of his love, out of his devotion, out of his mercy, out of his... Just his goodness, that's what we have is the fear of the Lord. 
uh, the word fear is actually never seen as good, right? Um, Craig Rochelle is a pastor, and he's a very famous pastor, but one of the best things he does is he develops leaders in church. He's like the leader of leaders, right? And um, he categorizes leaders in four types, and uh, I'll go from top to bottom. You want to be the leader that is trusted, because you're loved and trusted and everything goes well with you. Uh, people work well with you. You are a good leader. You make good decisions. The second tier leader, which is not as good, you are liked and respected, but not really trusted. Okay? And the third uh, is you're feared, but you're respected. So they'll work with you, but they don't really want to work with you. Right? And the last tier of leadership is actually the feared leader. He says, you never want to be that leader that is just feared. Because you never, it's actually the most inefficient way of leadership. People don't want to work with you, uh, but they kind of just have to. Uh, you most likely won't get anything done. And so he categorizes leaderships, leaders in that four way. And he says, where do you see yourself? Or how does uh, people that work under you see you, right? So Craig Rochelle, this amazing pastor, categorizes the last level of leadership as feared. But the, but Psalms 112 says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Okay, that was also hard. Um, so how can this be, right? How can this be? That we're supposed to fear the Lord and we're supposed to be blessed by it when the world says a feared leader is actually the worst kind of leader, right? And I have to admit that even the past couple of years, I had a hard time understanding what it means to fear the Lord. And so I would be in worship or I'd be preaching or I'd be talking to somebody and I'd be like, I love God. He is worthy. He deserves all my praise. He is good. He is, and I fear him sometimes, but mostly I love him. He's my father. He's good to me. He just loves me. And I fear him sometimes. But the bigger point is, he loves you, and you love him. And if you fear him, it's okay. You don't know how some, I don't know how to deal with the fear of the Lord. I didn't know how to for a very long time because it just sounds so negative, and I don't want to tell somebody you should fear the Lord when God is about love, right? The Father's love. But the reason why the word fear is so shunned and the reason why we don't use it in the context of church a lot is because the enemy has twisted it. The word fear, what it means and what it's supposed to do, right? Um, God is the only creator. He's the only true creator, which means the devil cannot create. He cannot make anything original. The only thing that he can do is manipulate or twist what God has already made to fool you. Fool's gold. Poor man's version of what God does. So God says, fear the Lord. And he says, fear. And the devil twists that and says, do you fear the Lord? Is that a relationship you want with the father? A father? He calls himself father to you, a loving father. But he also says, fear the Lord. So today, I want to do a few things. As you look through Psalms 112, um, I want to talk about three things that the fear of the Lord does and some characteristics of fear and the difference between the fears of the world and the fear of God. 
Basically, the fear of the world is anything that is not the fear of the Lord. Anything outside of that, let's just consider that as fear of the world. Okay? All right. So the first thing that the fear of the Lord does is that it multiplies your life. Verses 1 and 2, I'll read it again for you guys. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. It's a funny way of saying things like offsprings, but basically it's saying that your your life will be more full. It'll be more meaningful if you have the fear of the Lord in your life. Okay? And a characteristic of fear that does this is that Fear, whether good or bad, whether fear of the Lord or fears of the world, is that it actually guides your life. It guides your life. Um, as an example, like the same pastor, uh, Craig Rochelle, he, he shared, he was, one of the reasons why he's such a great leader is because he's made so many mistakes in his life, especially as a pastor. And one of the things he talks about is he grew up really poor. Um, his parents were never stable. They were always moving and he just always had a problem with finances in the family. So when he became a pastor, he said, I fear being broke as a pastor. I fear that my church will be broke. So what he was as the first couple of years as a pastor was he was so tight-fisted. He controlled every single penny that came in and out of the church. He was a terrorizer in his staff meetings, he said. Like when they do budget, he said, where did this money go? Where is this coming from? Who spent this? And he said in the beginning of the years, nobody wanted to work with him. Because out of his fear guided his actions. I fear being broke like I was when I was a child. I fear that by under my leadership, my church will go broke. So fear, whether good or bad, it guides your life. You know, we all deal with fear. Fear of failure, rejection, or loneliness. But as these fears guide your life, fears of the world, it quenches your freedom to be yourself. And if it quenches your freedom, it actually quenches your life. Like I said, the uh, fear of the Lord, it multiplies your life. The fear of the world, it cuts down your life. The things that you want to try but you can't because you don't know if the people will accept you. Right? The person that you want to talk to and get to know, but you already made up in your mind that I'm going to be rejected. I have a fear of rejection, so I'm not going to go there. You know? You know, Pastor Benjamin um, Robinson, he's a pastor at San, Fran- San Francisco Living Hope Christian Center. And he talked about humans like this. And I thought it was so like brilliant when he said it was, you know, people call human nature as sinful, right? Like you sin or you fear or you go against God and who's to blame you because that's just human nature. But the truth is, us humans, we're not made after the image of man. We're actually made in the image of God. Which means these human nature things like sinning, fearing, going against God purposely, it's actually non-human-like for us to be that way. When you are in Christ, you're actually supposed to behave the way God wants you to behave. You're supposed to live a life the way God wants you to live. 
it's actually supposed to be normal to live in freedom. Living in a life of fear, it kills your life. But the fear of the Lord, it multiplies your life. Because, you know, there's a good healthy dose of fear, right? Like, uh, like I'm sure children, they don't know the fear of fire yet, right? So they'll just go to fire and until they learn from something, they won't know the fear of fire. Like you shouldn't touch fire or you shouldn't cross that busy intersection. There's a good healthy dose of fear, but that, you know, you guys know I'm not, that's, that's not the fear I'm talking about, right? Right. Okay, good. But when you have the fear of the Lord, what you're saying is, is I can hear from the Lord. And when I hear that thing, even if it goes against my non-human nature, right, I won't do it because I fear the word of the Lord in my heart. The fear of the Lord will push you back from doing things that makes you unholy, will pull you back from making very stupid decisions. Okay, let's all admit some decisions are just, they're just stupid. <laughs> they're, you shouldn't have done it, okay? And it pulls you back from things that will hold you back from the freedom that you could have in Christ. The fear of the Lord also does this. It pushes you to do things that will give you life. The thing that you might be scared of, the thing that you've been pushing off for a long time, It'll push you to do it because if God says go, like he told Moses, you go. You move when he tells you to move because you fear the Lord. You hear from him and you tell yourself, I hear from God. I love God, so I will do as he says. It will multiply your life. You know, um, this past, was it already this past winter? It was. It was this past winter. I went on a mission trip, and I can't actually tell you guys where I went. And um, I'm telling you with a smile, <laughs> but it was actually kind of scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it wasn't easy, but um, I went on this mission trip through my church with ten other people. And this area, um, politically, it's very dark. Spiritually, very dark. And um, when we told our contact pastor in this area that there were actually a few Americans, like me and a couple others, and a few Korean, native Koreans going on this trip, he just freaked out. But our tickets were already bought. We're leaving in a couple of weeks. Um, and he said that just the day before, he's and we're co- corresponding, and his emails are very, like, cryptid. It's like symbolism, literally. Like we have to like decode a poem every time he like writes to us. And so we, we, he was, and then he sent us an email and he said, okay, I don't want to alarm you. Okay. But the other day, just yesterday, uh, police raided a hotel room of missionaries in this area. Um, some of them were Korean natives and some of them were Americans and now they're in jail. <laughs> and, um, he said, don't, I don't want to worry you guys, but I just thought you guys should know. <laughs> I'm, I was a team preacher on that on that team, and I, I was looking at my team leader, and um, you know we were kind of contemplating. Was anybody on this trip? No. Tell me, but nobody here in this room, right? Okay. Um, so we were. She, Chungmin, who was a team leader, she and I were looking at each other. We were kind of thinking maybe we shouldn't tell the team. <laughs> If we don't tell them, you know, we just go in, nothing happens, that's great. If something happens, we'll take care of it then. But, you know, we were contemplating, should we tell the rest of the team? And then we looked at each other, it's like, you know what, I think we should tell the team. So the next meeting we had, we told the whole story, told them what the email was about. 
And you can feel the tangible fear that comes down the room. Like people are not looking at anybody. And people are kind of looking at their calendar to see. Like I, I'm, I'm telling you, they were thinking, can I cancel this ticket? <laughs> like in time, can I, can I back out of this trip? And the more we talked about it, the real, the reality of our fear was true. We shouldn't probably have gone, right? Just the day before the same situation that we would have been in, someone else got caught and they're now in jail. And at that moment, my team leader looked at each other and we said, all we can do right now is pray. The, t- the tickets are refundable. Nobody's bound to this, but let's just pray. And as a team, we prayed. And as team leaders and team preachers, we prayed. And we had a decision to make at that moment because we felt like we were supposed to go. The whole team, not just part of us, the whole team. And so we prayed. And with even still the heaviness of our hearts, the fear that we might get caught, something might happen to one of us, we realized the fear of the Lord is pushing us to do something brave. The fear of the Lord is pushing us to do something we've never done before. So as a team, we said, we will go. Nobody's backing out. We spent about seven days there, and I can't go into details of what we did or what we saw, but I would never trade that week and a half for anything. The fear of the Lord multiplies your life because if you listen to it, you get to do things that you never thought possible in your life. The fear of the Lord multiplies your life because it actually pulls you back from patterns of sin in your life that you've been struggling with for a very, very long time. Fear of the Lord multiplies your life. The second point is, the fear of the Lord, ironically, brings you closer to love. Okay, uh, Verse 4. I'm going to read it again. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. When we talk about light dawns in darkness, it often means the presence of God, the light coming into the darkness, presence of God coming into the darkness. And we talk about the presence of God. You can't be in the presence of God without feeling the love of God, right? And another characteristic of fear that I want to talk about is that it pulls you. It guides you and it pulls you. Because the weird thing about fear is that is that the thing that you fear, you think you don't want to be near it as much as possible. But the thing, the ironic thing about fear is that the more you repel, try to repel from it, the more you are drawn to it, the more you're pulled to it, as if you don't have control over yourself and you're just being pulled to this thing that you fear, good or bad. Fear pulls you. I have a uh, a lot of, I think a lot of people know this, I have a terrifying fear of birds. It's ridiculous. I think um, it's been my cross to bear for, I think since I was really, really little. I think, I, I, don't, I don't remember the last time I wasn't afraid of birds. Um, and I actually work near around here. I don't know if you guys know the Paris Baguette in the back gate where the, you know, the new buildings, you know what I'm talking about, right? The one, yeah, yeah, uh, back door of Ide. I work right around there, and I actually work, walk to the station to work every day. And you know how the, the sidewalk kind of gets narrower when you get to Paris Baguette? Kind of gets wider and then narrower. And there's these restaurants all over, which means they actually put out their food trash on the other side of the sidewalk. So it's the building, uh, food trash, and then me going down the sidewalk, right? Um, I've been working there for a few months, and uh, 
there's this pigeon. <laughs> and I know this specific pigeon because I don't know what happened to its um uh, one foot, but it's like gimpy. It's like it lit it like uh it hops on one leg and sometimes flies. And um from the I'm not kidding. I you think I'm kidding. You you look out for that pigeon that's out there. Um and I remember the first day of work I was walking and I saw this nasty pigeon just hopping, you know, one foot, hopping towards the food trash bag. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I, I, know, I know you, I know you now. And he, he hops onto, he hops onto the food trash bag and picks away at it, you know, and then his friends join and it's, it's, it's like a daily thing and, and, um, I fear Gimpy. I fear him so much. I hate him. I hate him so much, but I fear him. I fear him with my heart every day I walk to work. But I am also looking for him every day I walk to work. I don't like the fact that he might be right above me (laughs) or like right here. But as much as I hate him, I'm looking for him. Not to high five him, not to give him some food, but because I really deeply fear him. I am pulled to him out of my fear. Right? You know, I said in the beginning that the fear of the Lord brings you closer to love. In the very opposite way, the fear of the world brings you closer to hate. It pulls you to hate. Everybody kind of at this age, you guys can kind of be honest with yourself, deeply be honest with yourself and tell somebody that you trust what you deeply fear. Is it failure? Is it rejection? Is it never being accepted? Is it being different from everybody else? Is it not knowing what your future is? Is it becoming like your father or becoming like your mother? Right? Whatever that fear is, I think you guys can kind of pinpoint for yourself. But when you have these fears of the world, you start hating yourself for the fear that you have. You hate that you're so insecure that you don't want to talk to new people. When you, when you know you probably could have so much to offer to that person. You hate that you're, you have a fear of failure, so you don't try anything new. You want to have, you have so many ambitions in your life, but you can't take step one because you feel like you're going to fail, and that fear of failure is gripping you. You hate your situation because you think the family that you were born in is unfair. The circumstances that you had to live through is unfair. The fear of the world draws you closer to hate. But the fear of the Lord draws you closer to love. And this is the kind of ironic thing. And the, I, I really believe this is the only thing that applies to the fear of the Lord. Is that the fear of the Lord draws you closer to love. And the, the love of the Lord draws you closer to the fear of the Lord. It works like a circle. The more you love, the more you fear. And the more you fear, the more you love. I really believe this is the only like, it's the only relationship that actually works this way. And the closest thing I can kind of give an example is, um, my marriage. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys know my husband. His name is Sam. And, uh, he and I are actually very, very different from each other, like polar opposites. In many ways, many, like probably 98% of our lifestyle is very different. Um, he's a planner and I'm not a planner. That's just, just, just like 
level one difference. We have so many, but that's just level one, okay? He's a big planner. I'm not a planner. And so um, this is like confession time. I'm going to embarrassed. But um, I've actually never been on a budget in my entire life. I don't know. I honestly don't even know where to even start. Well, if you told me before, like three, two, three years ago, if you, like get me a budget, I don't even know what you're talking about. Sam, on the other hand, since I'm pretty sure since he was in third grade or even younger, <laughs> he was a he was a budgeter. His parents gave him allowance, and he said he had a notebook, and he would always put. One dollar for his tithing and one dollar to missionary, so he has eight dollars left for the rest of the week. And then he would like literally uh, say, um, "I want to go to the arcades with my friends, so I need three dollars." And I and maybe the rest of the uh, rest of the money I can go to McDonald's and whatever, whatever. Like he said, he did this every week. <laughs> I know, right? So um, when we got married, his biggest fear, <laughs> his biggest fear, <laughs> was that. Um, I would basically eat our budget dry. <laughs> he thought this one was gonna kill me. <laughs> and so, out of his fear, what he did was、uh, we did weekly budget meetings <laughs> in our house. It's so embarrassing. Every Sunday, every Sunday,、uh, he would not just tell me how much, ask me how much I spent. He would actually ask me, you know how you can do mobile banking on your phone in Korea. He would actually ask me how much do you have in your account right now, and I can't say like I have about this. No, he's like, no, no, I need to see the number. Like, show me your phone. <laughs> um, oh no. So for the first like six, seven months, this is what we did every week. I hated this meeting. I hated this meeting mostly because I just felt like what he told me was what he was trying to tell me was you can't get this and you can't get that. I felt like that's what he was trying to say to me.、Um, but I would hate this meeting so much that sometimes I would pretend to go to sleep or I pretend that I was already asleep, like at nine thirty. I'm like, oh, so tired. And then I you know, and then and then and then what he would do is um he would come into the bed with his、uh, laptop because it's on his Google Drive, right? And then he said, and he would kind of be like, hey, but we have to do the budget meeting. <sighs> so you know. I'm a changed woman now. Out of his fear, I'm on budget. I have never broken budget so far. Out of my fear of my husband, okay. But you know, in in all jokingness, it, it was my fear of my husband that I kept with this budget. I did what he asked. I did exactly what he asked. I spent exactly the amount he asked me to. If I went over, I. First, I was a little scared. <laughs> Later on, realized I didn't have to be scared. But out of my fear, my also my devotion as his wife, I did what he asked. I went by the laws that he put on as a head of the family. But what I realized was that as I submitted myself to my husband in that fear and in that admiration, I began to draw more closer to him in love. Because the reason why he was budgeting was because he wanted us to have financial stability. He was thinking ahead in a way that I had no ability to think ahead for, and he thought about this future baby two years ago. In the way he was budgeting, if he wasn't, he would just say, "Do whatever you feel like doing, do whatever you already been doing." 
you know? In the same way, when you fear the Lord and you put yourself in submission to the laws of God, what it reveals is actually how much he actually loves you. The laws that he has put in wasn't to hate you, wasn't to punish you, wasn't to like exercise his power as God, but because he loves you. And when you have the revelation in that law and in that fear, it brings you a greater level of love and devotion to God. And in that place, you realize how great he is, how amazing he is. And in that same way, you realize you, you fear the Lord even stronger, even deeper. It's a cycle that works in love and in fear. It's the only relationship that works like that. It brings you closer to love. The last thing that the fear of the Lord does is it actually makes you fearless. Verse 6 through 10, I'll read it. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. Desire of the wicked will perish. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Like you can face any challenges in your life and you will not be afraid. Anything could happen to you in a moment's notice and you won't flinch if you have the fear of the Lord. The last character of fear that I want to address is that the fear defines you. Defines you. Um, like I said, I, ha- I do have this fear of birds. Um, and, I, and I really wish as I've gotten older it's become better, but I think it's just become more obnoxious. Because, I don't know, like you're supposed to be okay by now, right? But you're not. Um, when I was in Disney World a couple, like four years ago, we went through this courtyard and... Um, there's so many birds, and normally if they're okay, like they're standing still and they're kind of far, I'm okay. But if someone disturbs them, then I, I can't. Like I start seeing black, I just black out. I can't, I can't deal with it. And then I was, I, Eunice, the uh, executive director, she, she and I went to college together, so we went to this Disney World trip uh, when we we're in college. And then uh, we're walking through this courtyard, either in Universal Studios or Disney World, I forget. But anyways, there was like a, like a. Like a thousand pigeons. I don't even, I think there was a thousand. And then they're just over there. And then we're just walking across the courtyard. And my friends know I can't walk through it. So we're walking around it. And so we're walking around it. And then I said, and I told myself, as long as some stupid kid doesn't run through this pile of pigeons, I'm okay. And lo and behold, the fear has come true. And then a kid, this big kid with these goof, the goofy, um, the goofy hat with the ear coming down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The eyes, right? And the ear. He's like, wow. And he comes and he's like, and all the birds. And I scream bloody murder and I almost pull my friend's pants down because I'm trying to hide. It was just the most ridiculous scene. I don't care. I was like crawling on the floor and trying to get, just trying to get out of there. I'm not kidding. And then a couple hours later, I'm walking through this big park and I see the same nasty kid with these stupid goofy hat, right? And then he goes, I'm not, he thought I didn't, I didn't hear him, but I heard him. He was like, Mom, look, it's that girl that screamed when the birds flew. Fear defines you guys. Fear defines you. When I was in, actually in Sydney, what's that bird called? The one with a really big beak? 
No, no, no. I know what a pelican is. <laughs> no, no. It's like it, it. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a. It has a long beak. It's this big. I'm not kidding. And this, I'm not. This is actually this big, right? Yeah, yeah. And they are common in Australia, like pigeons in Korea. I mean, I don't understand Australia. I really don't like. How do you allow let birds this big fly around in the wild? I, I don't know. Anyways. The first week, I, I walked through the park, and I actually thought I was walking through a wildlife zoo because I there's no way this bird is supposed to be outside, like, roaming around. So much that um, I was so scared, and we had to take the long way everywhere that um, by the end of the trip, uh, people in Sydney campus that I didn't even talk to knew that I didn't like birds, and, and then they, they, they were so gracious enough to say, oh, no, she doesn't like birds. We should walk this way. Embarrassing. <laughs> I don't even know that person, but they were just like, we shouldn't walk that way. She's really scared of birds. Fear defines you. How could it not define you when it guides your life and is constantly pulling at you? It defines you. You know, when you have uh, worldly fears, um, you identify yourself as that person more than you think because your life has been maneuvering around this fear for so long. You're that angry person because you fear losing control. So you'd lash out anytime something's not going your way. You know, you're that weak person. You identify yourself as a weak person because every time you feel a little bit of sense of opposition, you just run away. Right? But when you have the, when you live by the fear of the Lord, actually nothing defines, identifies you but the characteristics of God that you display. Nothing defines you but that. You know, when you when you fear the Lord, you're saying he has number one seat in your life, which means that voice that tells you you're not good enough, right? You can tell him, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God said. You know? You don't have to be that anxious person because God says he'll take care of you. He takes care of the birds and the flowers, so why wouldn't he take care of you? You don't have to be that person that always runs away from failure because God says he has plans to prosper you, not to harm, plans to give you hope and a future. When you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else and you become fearless. You know, um, a lot of some people ask, like a lot of singles ask, how do, how did you pray for your husband or whatever before you were got married or whatever? And um, and to be honest, I didn't really pray. <laughs> Not a confession. I didn't really pray much. But I think after being married, what I do always recommend singles to pray for in their spouses, boy, boy or girl, is um that they have the fear of the Lord. Ultimately, that their life is guided by the fear of the Lord. Because let's just take husbands, for example. If your husband lives by the fear of the Lord, he will never cheat on you. He knows the Lord is watching. (laughs) If you're praying for your spouse and you pray for the fear of the Lord, you know that he will be honorable with the finances of the household. He will treat his children with love and dignity. That he will be devoted to God's word and be lead, be led by his God, by God's word and not by his feelings, not by his anger, not by what the things that, that, that bothered him that day. 
The reason why I say it is not for all of us, all of a sudden we start praying for our future husbands and wives. But the fear of the Lord is I feel like one thing that people avoid the most. Because you're not supposed to fear the one that you love, right? But the fear of the Lord has such power, unlike anything else, that if we don't take hold of it, and we don't practice it, we don't devote ourselves to it, we don't seek it more and more in our daily life, our life will just be partial. It will just be partial. I think I'll be like confident enough to say, if you pray for the deeper fear of the Lord in your life, everything else will just kind of fall into place. It'll just kind of fall into place. And I'll explain what that means a little bit later. And some of you guys are asking, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It, uh, I was looking through a lot of like Christian books for this answer, but I think simply it's this, that you are in awe of who God is, and you don't take your eyes off of it. You are constantly in awe. You seek for your heart to be in constant awe of God. And you never stop searching for it, going deeper in it. I just, you know, I, I like I said, like, um, fear of the Lord, if you just go after it wholeheartedly, it might just take care of whatever you're going through. And while I was preparing for this message, I just, just one thing that just popped up was, if you feel like your Christian walk or your devotion to God is not as strong as you thought it should be, think you don't, you don't, you don't feel this draw to God as much as you want to much as you feel convicted to. You guys go to church every Sunday or come here every Tuesday, but you know the days between that, you don't feel this burning love for God like you once did. Whether it was at the retreat just a month ago or whatever, but I feel like God wanted me to tell you it's actually not the lack of love in your heart, it's actually the lack of fear. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, Because what you're forgetting is that this almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, that no one can compare to, he loved you enough to have you here. He loves you enough to speak to you, to guide you, to be for you and not against you. This big God that, can, that brought you into the world, he can take you out in a second, any of us. But he chooses to speak to you in love. For those of you guys who are struggling and saying, what is this missing spark in my life? Why can't I walk with God like I want to or I used to or I see other people doing? I feel like the Lord is saying, it's not the lack of your love. It's a lack of your fear. It's the lack of your fear. And so this time I just want all of us to pray. Close our eyes and pray. God never does anything just because he felt like it, because it has no effect or no purpose. When he reveals to you how big he is, he's not showing off. 
when he reveals to you how strong and powerful he is, he's not trying to dominate you. What he's trying to tell you is, put your load on me. I cannot be broken. Put your cares on me. I will never buckle. All your insecurities, everything that you've been living with, all the people that have done you wrong, all of that I can carry. That's why I want to show you how big and strong and mighty I am. And when you respond with, that's good, God. Thanks for loving me, God. It's not the right response. The fear of the Lord is being constantly in awe of the Lord. And I feel like what God wants to do right now is give you an opportunity to ask God, God, how big are you? How strong are you? How magnificent are you? Because you said you are the creator of heaven and earth. You know my life better than I do. And you know what's, you know what's gonna happen to this world like nobody else does. All wisdom, all understanding is in your hands. And it's gonna be a step as God reveals to you how big He is. How worthy of fear He is. What's naturally gonna come as a cycle is a greater love for the Lord. Right now, it's not going to be a fancy anything. It's an invitation just for you and God, every single person in this room, for a deeper, deeper fear of the Lord. Simply ask, God, show me how big you are. Show me how big you are. Reveal to me, my human mind, who you are. So I just want to invite you guys to take some time right now to do that.